Hi, this is Bob Heiler of the Bankruptcy Law Success Podcast, where we introduce you to successful bankruptcy lawyers, as well as powerful ideas that will transform your bankruptcy practice. Today, I'm talking with Matt Heron, the managing attorney at The Deck Doctors at Quatrini Rafferty in the greater Pittsburgh area. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Bob. So I always like to start at the beginning of your career. After you graduated from law school, I saw you spend three years at Legal Helpers, the uh, the high-volume consumer bankruptcy firm. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, my time at, at Legal Helpers was where I started to formulate some of my ideas about actually managing a bankruptcy law practice because they were a large firm that practiced nationally. They had offices at, when I joined them in about 11 states. Within a couple of years, they had offices in 49 states. So they did some good things. They did some bad things. And I've tried to take the best of what I learned there and apply it to my practice. When I was at Legal Helpers, I had the opportunity to start an office in Philadelphia for them, as well as I was the second attorney in the Pittsburgh office. So it it gave me a good basis for managing and running a, a bankruptcy practice and trying to do things in a systematic manner that helps to do a good job with the client, as well as figure out how to get paid and how to find new clients. Mm-hmm. which I think are, are the, the main puzzles you have to work out when you manage this type of practice. Mm-hmm. What, what lessons do you have to share with us? I mean, it was a high-volume firm, so how, how do you stay on top of things when you have so many filings? Well, I mean, I think one of the keys that, that we always had was that they always had a client database, which I think a lot of attorneys use. But what we always tried to do there was to use good technology in order to make sure that you track accurate information, that you can pull good reports so that you can figure out where your clients are coming from. You can keep good notes so that when you have a client that's either a problem or a client that can, you can add a little personal touch to the practice because at Legal Helpers, we used forms. We had a certain way that you ran the meetings for the initial meeting and consult with the clients. But really what made the difference and what separated our good offices from the bad offices were the attorneys when they were able to go off script a little bit and remember like this person's son or daughter plays hockey or this person worked at this place before and now they're transitioning into a new job. So when you see them the next time, you can say, hey, how's the new job going? Uh All those little personal touches are the things that have really helped me to build my business. The advertising has been one part, but over time, slowly just doing things with a little bit of a personal touch and some humanity have been the things that I feel has has really grown my practice and allowed me to do this for 15 years. Yeah. Looking back, you know, you're starting the Philly office for legal helpers. You know, you're talking about building a reputation and getting referrals. You know, that's great after a while in the business, but how did you, how did you generate the leads to begin with? What were the marketing lessons that you picked up at your first job? Well, I mean, it's changed a lot because I was, I was doing that in 2004 and five. And at that point, Legal helper strategy was that they would go into a market and they would get the biggest yellow pages ad for any <laughs> bankruptcy attorney so that they were appearing as the first bankruptcy attorney listed in the yellow pages. They would have billboards. They would have normally a large TV spend. And this was just sort of in the infancy of Google AdWords. And we really weren't paying that much attention to the internet. But each year that I've practiced, we've gotten more away from the yellow pages and billboards and TV and almost exclusively focus on Google, natural search rankings and social media. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so you spent your three years at Legal Helpers, and then I was looking online, it seems like you got hired by Campbell and Levine to become the general manager of the Debt Doctors in 2005 to implement a strategy that seemed pretty similar to to Legal Helpers. Did I get that right? 
Correct. And what I did when I started the debt doctors, I had the opportunity to do some things better than legal helpers because I think when you start from scratch and are able to take some of the things that we use at legal helpers and then apply it in a way that suits your personality and bring your own ideas to the table, I think you can create something better the second time that you do it. So when I was hired to manage the debt doctors in 2005, the partners at Campbell and Levine, they had started just filing consumer bankruptcy cases and through doing a good job with their clients and getting more complex cases, you know, they grew into a very respected and reputable bankruptcy firm in Pittsburgh, as well as nationally, and even had some cases cases internationally. So they had sort of gotten away from doing the smaller consumer bankruptcy cases just because of their fee structure. So their thought was when the bankruptcy laws changed that they needed, the attorneys that would be filing volume cases would have to be better attorneys and have to have a better process because of all the new requirements. So we started with the new bankruptcy law and what Campbell and Levine and my own touches brought to the process was just a little more of a human touch to the filings. You know, when I worked at Legal Helpers, I think they did a great job and had a great business model, but we worked six days a week from 8.30 till 6.30 every day, and then we worked Saturdays from 9 to 2. And we, when I started with Legal Helpers, I really didn't have any specific bankruptcy training, and I was meeting with clients in a week or two weeks. And, and I felt that what legal helpers process had lacked was more experienced bankruptcy attorneys and people who knew what they were doing and caring more about their employees and caring more about their clients. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to take some of the good business practices that they used and, and just treated our employees better, tried to treat our clients better. And it's been a model that's worked for, worked for me. Absolutely. Mm. Now, how did you get the debt doctors off the ground in terms of marketing and getting those first clients? Well, we started with a similar strategy to what we had, we had done with the Philadelphia Office for Legal Helpers, and we had some billboards, eventually some TV commercials, and a little bit of internet advertising. We actually took a lot of time in, in getting our website the way we wanted it, and it had a lot of functionality to it when we had started Debt Doctors, because we did see that sort of that was the direction that advertising was probably going we probably overbuilt it for what we were doing at that time because we, you know we, we definitely put more money and resources into the other types of advertising but the website was definitely something that over time it, w it was a good move to to pay a lot of attention to it and try to provide a lot of good information for clients mm -hmm. because I think our practice is greatly misunderstood so my advertising has always been one part bankruptcy advertising one part financial education because mm -hmm. I think most people, when they are facing a situation where they could be a potential bankruptcy candidate, they, they're they scared. What their banks and most of the stuff online will tell them will scare them even more. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, they don't know how to work themselves out of situations. They make mistakes like taking money out of retirement plans to pay credit card debts or getting a home equity loan to pay off credit card debts. When If they would come to see me, I could probably protect those assets that are important to their financial future. So we've always tried to provide good information, consistently put stuff out there that's going to relate to people and make it educational and informative so that even if you're not our client, that you might learn something from us and refer somebody to us in the future. How do you kind of educate someone after the fact, though? Like, how do you educate them after they've drawn down their retirement fund to pay a credit card? Well, I mean, there's always a point where you start 
and you just try to make it better from from where they are when they come in to see you. Mm-hmm. And if they've already done that, then we talk about, okay, well, let's try to pare down the budget to this point so that you can start contributing maybe to the retirement plan again and start and start rebuilding that. You know, if the house is too expensive now that you took out a second mortgage, well, are there options outside of the house? Is there no equity in the house and we give it up in the bankruptcy? Or is there a way that you can sell it, put some cash in your pocket and maybe downsize a little bit? And when somebody comes in, I never know how it's going to go because there is some choice on the client's part. However, what I can do is based on my 15 years of experience, try to give them some advice that after a bankruptcy, they're going to be headed in a direction where their financial future is based on savings and building wealth rather than incurring debts. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody normally has some credit card. You need a little bit of debt to, to rebuild credit, but sometimes you know, if I can get people a fresh start, they'll, they'll be on a better path and do things smarter the second time. Yeah. Just like when I left legal helpers to start the debt doctors, you do things better if you get more chances to do it uh-huh. and you learn from experience. Especially the hard lessons that life teaches you. You learn a lot from those. You do. And that's one of the great things about my job that I enjoy is that most of the time people come to me where it's not the best time in their life, but I find it rewarding to try to help them through the process in a dignified manner that helps them to put that in the past and and move forward. And I try to do the the same thing in my life because I I don't always do everything right, but I I learn from my mistakes and constantly try to evolve. And I I think I've done that in in my business, personal life, and especially with advertising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed I was looking at your staff list online and I saw an office manager, but not a ton of paralegals. Is that part of your philosophy where the attorneys are kind of front and center? Yeah, I mean, we do, the attorneys in our practice, we do try to do a lot over the years. Like when I was at Legal Helpers, my best year there, I thought about 600 cases. (laughs) We try to keep our caseload to about 200 a year now and take on better cases and ones that that we can handle and make sure that we do a good job rather than just running it through like a numbers mill. Mm -hmm. And my practice has been helped a lot because my paralegal, Heather, she joined the practice about a year and a half after I'd started the debt doctors. And she's just been incredibly efficient and proficient. So the model has always been to hire the right people that are very capable and keep them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've tried to do with her. My associate, Amy, she's been with me uh, on and off for about nine years. And and it, it really getting the right people to implement the strategy has made the difference. And it's been difficult because there have been times that I've had to let people go that don't you know, necessarily work in, in our system. Mm-hmm. But once you find somebody, you need to try to keep them. And having some stability, I, th- I think, gives you some credibility. I think it helps the relationship with your clients because they see that you know what you're doing. And there's very little that I have to do as far as managing the firm on a day-to-day basis now because we've worked together for such a long time that it just we do things automatically. So I think we're more efficient. I found the exact same thing. You can spend a lot of time managing bad people or you can spend very little time managing great people. Yeah. And the trick is to figure out if they care or not. But that's something that sometimes you have to... Just work with someone for a while to see if they really care. Yeah, I think a lot. when I talk to a lot of young lawyers, that is probably the one thing that I tell them. And it doesn't always register, but the ones that it does register, those are the ones that I want to maybe work for me someday, <laughs> is that... You know, there's really, you can see when you when you go into bankruptcy court, it's normally a cattle call and you see a lot of different people practicing bankruptcy law in all types of different cases. And it, it has always struck me how a lot of attorneys in our practice don't generally care about their clients. Mm-hmm. And 
And if you can do that, you will be at the top of your field, I think, in any any area of law practice. It's just, you know, caring and, and knowing that somebody's lives are being affected by how well you do your job and taking that seriously. I interviewed another attorney recently who told me that every time he goes into court, somebody comes up to him, not his client, comes up to him and says, are you my attorney? Do, do, you, mm-hmm. do you get that a lot where the lawyers haven't even met with a customer or with the client they just met? Yeah, and, and there, there are a lot of instances where that happens. It happens every once in a while, no matter how much effort you put into managing your clients, that you might show up at a meeting like that because, you know, we have two attorneys in our office. I may have never met the client, but I have to go to their meeting of creditors because there are two other clients I did meet with. Mm-hmm. But we try to limit that if we can. And anytime, like if I would prep somebody for a hearing and I knew that the client was going to be there, I would say, hey, look, we haven't met any met before, but, you know, I'll be there. I'm the attorney you'll be with. Take a look at my bio on the website. You can see a picture of me so you know you know who to see. And, and we'll take some time before the meeting so we make sure we know each other by the time we have to go into court and perform. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of the really interesting things that you do, and this is very rare, trust me, is that you give an option for clients to hire you for a minimum retainer of $100. Mm-hmm. So you're not charging them upfront for everything. And then you also set up these clients with a kind of a layaway plan where they can make regular payments until they can afford to file. So my first question is, how did you come up with that idea? Because it's very rare and it's, it sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it was a, it was a concept that I came up with or that, that I actually took from legal helpers. Mm-hmm. Legal helpers had done that for a long time. And it's really an effective way to you know help clients figure out how to pay for it. Because as a bankruptcy attorney over the years, I've started to figure out that you know when they come to you, they're nervous about paying your fees too. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to give them a plan and tell them where it's going to come from. And a lot of times where the money comes from for a payment plan is that you know when they meet with me, a lot of clients are still paying their credit cards and you say, look, you can stop today. Mm-hmm. And they might be paying four or $500 a month and then they can start referring their creditor calls to us right away, get on a payment plan. We still try not to file until the client's paid in full. Mm-hmm. In rare instances where, you know, there's some exigent circumstances, we'll file for less less than the amount. But we try not to do that at all if we don't, if we don't have to. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to make a decision that the client's case might go smoother if we just get this done. Sure. But, but yeah, legal helpers, really, that was their model. Come in, meet with me, pay us $100. And it's important to get the $100 up front because I think a lot of clients, it takes some time to figure out whether they want to file for bankruptcy or not. I, I don't want to waste my time with, with people who are going to not follow through with the process. It, may, it, it makes us look bad and generally doesn't give that client a good feeling that that we've done a good job. So by them making the act of paying us the $100, you know, it says, hey, I'm serious about filing for bankruptcy and I want to continue with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it helps to weed out some clients that, that might not be serious about the process. Because I think all of us experience that if we do this sometimes, and like when the fees are on layaway, you have clients that pay a couple hundred bucks and then they don't do anything. And then it's three years later and all of a sudden they're calling you and they want to refund. And and, you know, the the process works if you can take them through the whole way. If they back out halfway through, it, it really, you know, probably jades the result that they feel that they got from having you as their attorney. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that situation where exactly what you described, they pay a couple hundred dollars and then they ghost you and then they leave you a terrible review <laughs> so, somewhere online? 
Yeah, and I, I, I try to manage that by, you know, I do spend some time with those clients. And normally what, what I will talk to them about, look, you paid me a couple hundred dollars. You know, how we write our retainer agreement is that, you know, we start working on your case right away. We open a file. We start a best case file, which is our software that we use to, to produce our schedules. We, we oftentimes get some creditor calls. Sometimes that client calls and has some questions for us. And the way it's written is that once you pay us some money, we can keep it if, if we've done some work in, in your case and we can do an accounting for the refund fund based on our hourly rates and we put our hourly rates in the contract. And, you know, in many cases, they're going to be disappointed with the refund that they get because mm-hmm. you have clients that are in financial distress and sometimes they're like, oh, I paid that attorney 500 bucks. Let me see if I can just get that back. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're not going to be able to just do that because you would come in and essentially waste our time that is valuable. And so we have to be compensated for that. Yes. And a lot of those clients who get into that situation, I say, look, you're not going to have a good feeling about our services if you quit now. Mm-hmm. But if you move forward, here's the benefit. You're going to get a lot more value this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you still want a refund, I'll process the accounting and we can we can see whether you're, you're owed some money back. Uh, in many cases, they don't get any money back. Or if they do, it's a small amount. Mm-hmm. And if they want to do that, I'm fine with that as long as they make an informed decision. Sure. Otherwise, we have a lot of clients that stick with us and follow through with the process. And I think they're much happier. And I think that's how we limit the negative response to our to our services. Mm-hmm. I just think also that like a lot of people kind of are inclined towards Chapter 13 instead of Chapter 7, just because even if Chapter 7 would give them a better result because they, they don't have assets to protect. But, you know, they're looking to kind of spread out their attorney's fees over a three to five year plan. And maybe they're making the the wrong decision for them. So I, th- I think by starting with $100 with a minimum retainer, I think that kind of encourages people to make the decision that's right for them. But that's just my speculation. Yeah, and I, I think the $100, I mean, that's always an amount that people just like, I, I think it's palatable for them. Mm-hmm. And it gets it gets the process started. As my career has progressed, you know, overall our fees have gone up because they're getting a more experienced, better attorney. It's funny that you bring up Chapter 13s because I think that's one of the big evolutions that we've made over time is that we have a very good Chapter 13 practice. And really the thing that has helped us to do a much better job and to earn higher fees is just picking the right cases in Chapter 13. Mm-hmm. One of the things we used to get the debt doctor started was that we would send letters to people that had judgments or they had sheriff sales coming up or foreclosure was just filed. And what we found from those cases, we, we would get clients that would come in, they'd have a sheriff sale in two weeks and they'd pay us $500. We'd put them in a Chapter 13. And then they'd never make a payment. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we'd spend 15 hours of time working on that case for $500. Mm-hmm. So... Over time, we've kind of gotten away from that type of marketing and tried to get clients that come in and we have feasible Chapter 13 plans, ones that will work, ones where, you know, you can see why they fell behind on their house, like they lost their job for a year and now they're back working and and making better income. We have a lot of cases where the client might have not qualify for a seven, but they have the income to pay something back on their debts. And we put them in a 13 to pay back the credit card debt, which, you know, I think that's one of the things of the bankruptcy process process that a lot of regular individuals miss is that you basically get a five-year 0% interest loan to pay back your debts in a Chapter 13. And when you have eighty or $100,000 of credit card debt, that's a huge savings. Mm-hmm. And some of my best cases and ones where we've gotten the best results and the clients have really bright financial futures are the Chapter 13s where we end up paying their creditors back over time. And that, that's all they need. Banks or their creditors would do the same. It would be a lot easier and we probably have less bankruptcy filings. Yeah. 
but you know, fortunately for our practice, they, they allow us to do it in the bankruptcy. Have you tracked that over time, the percentage of Chapter 13 filings that go completely to discharge over three to five years? At this point, we have a pretty high rate of success. I don't have an exact, I don't have an exact number. Oh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not asking for an exact number. I'm just Yeah, it, it's gotten better over time. I think it gets gets better every year because you get better at weeding out the ones that you don't think are going to make it. And every once in a while, there's a few that surprise you that don't make it. But it's something we're continually working on because I, I really think managing the 13 practice instead of letting because those are the ones that you're going to spend most of your time in court, mm-hmm. most of your time dealing with issues on picking the good cases is really one of the keys to making this pra- practice a be- better as far as lifestyle and I, I think overall becoming more profitable and being able to work with less people. Mm -hmm. So you're talking essentially about making kind of a credit decision for someone that may file a chapter 13, which makes sense because you're kind of going into business with them for three to five years. Yeah, and, and, and it's not it's not necessarily a credit decision. We find that the clients that there, there's got to be something there. And I, I think when we start charging higher fees in a Chapter 13 case, the clients that can afford to pay it are the ones that are probably going to have a successful Chapter 13 plan. You know, the payment plan process sort of weeds them out as well, because if you're not paying your credit cards and you're supposed to be paying a plan that pays them something and you have trouble making $100 a month payment to me or $200 a month payment to me, you're probably not going to be successful in your Chapter 13 plan mm-hmm. because the, the, what we're asking to pay is a lot less than what you'll, you'll have to pay in the 13 in order to get a discharge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do have a little bit of a trial before the case even starts through the payment plan. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the other things of, you know, having this, this payment plan process where you expect a regular payment every month. It helps to create a stream of income for you and it also, you know, you find the clients that are making their best effort and those clients will be the ones who are entitled to a bankruptcy discharge because that is the only thing the bankruptcy code requires is you're honest and you make your best effort to pay your debts. If you do that, then my job will be easy as an attorney. Mm-hmm. Now, I can see how, as you get more experience, you would get better with Chapter 13s. Is there anything on the marketing side that you can do that's worked for you in terms of actually attracting leads that are more able to get through a Chapter 13? I, I found that once we started focusing more on internet advertising, that you get clients that are more informed and normally have already thought out the process. And that way I get clients that are serious mm-hmm. and that understand the process and will follow our direction so that we get a good result. The other thing I've done as far as like some of our AdWords and things like that, I like AdWords that actually have the word bankruptcy in it because I think the job is twice as hard when you have a client that comes to you that doesn't consider bankruptcy seriously. And I think if you actually have to type it into a search, you know, they've already sort of thought in their in their mind that maybe that's an option for me. And it's a much, much easier job because I think people beat themselves up about filing for bankruptcy. And sometimes they're just not ready. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to convince them. I want to be able to tell them, look, these are the good things that can happen with the bankruptcy. These are some of the negatives, but I think the good outweighs the bad. And that's when I decide that I want them as a client. And hopefully they want me as an attorney. Mm-hmm. And so if, if they're sort of already thinking bankruptcy in their head, probably easier to to sell them on, on the points that, that can certainly help them. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about keywords on Google AdWords that don't mention the word bankruptcy, are you talking about keywords like foreclosure defense? Or you refer? Yeah, foreclosure defense, credit card debt, debt consolidation. Uh-huh. You find that you, you, know, you get a lot of clicks, especially on AdWords, for people that just aren't ready to come and see a bankruptcy attorney. Mm-hmm. And you can see it with 
the time spent on your page because they'll click through and then quickly jump off the goal bankruptcy that that's not for me mm -hmm. i like also putting bankruptcy in the headline one of adwords yeah just not being shy about what you do yeah it was it, i thought the bankruptcy code when they changed when they changed it in 2005 it was offensive to me that they were making us call ourselves debt relief agencies. Mm -hmm. I'm a bankruptcy attorney. People, a lot of people look at that as a bad word, but I don't think so. And I end up having opportunities to help a lot of people. And I find that rewarding beyond the paycheck or running a business in my job that, you know, I'm in a practice that actually helps people. And I don't think that's the way that people look at it. And I try with opportunities like this. And every time I sit down with a client, and any time I get a chance to talk to somebody to tell them, look, I'm a bankruptcy attorney, and this is what I do. And I help people. And my boss, Doug Campbell, Campbell and Levine, he had a saying, he's like, you know, look, we do resurrections, not funerals. <laughs> and, and I always thought that that, that, was, that was an interesting way to look at it because we definitely can, can do some things that, that a lot of people didn't even think was possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So before the interview, I actually went on to Google AdWords. I've actually seen your ads before in the past, but I, I looked today and I didn't see your ad currently running. Are you currently running Google AdWords? Yeah, we are. We have been getting, you know, I, I've I've started a second practice almost where a lot of the work that I do now, it's hourly retainers and it focuses more on businesses. And that was one of the reasons in joining Quattrini Rafferty, just having some more resources so that I could start billing hourly rather than just taking flat fees and doing the chapter 13 cases. Mm -hmm. In doing that, I found that my best way to get those cases is to market to attorneys. And a lot of that market marketing is face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. So we've spent a lot more time in marketing face-to-face -face recently to get the, that business. And it's almost like starting a whole second practice with that. So we sort of piggyback off of Quattrini Rafferty's advertising, their workers' comp, social security, personal injury firm and spend less on AdWords for the debt doctors. And then I'm trying to personally grow the, the business practice. Yeah. Could you tell us, tell the audience a little bit about your business practice? Sure. I mean, what, what I've, you know, my experience of, of running my business and being able to learn some lessons from business cases in the past, I, I have certain clients that I help that are in the startup phase as far as structuring debt. I've worked with a couple of clients who were personal guarantors on large business debts where the business may be in a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And then I have a lot of small businesses right now that I'm dealing with that you know are having a problem with one or two banks, but the personal guarantors on those debts or the owners of the business you know really aren't a candidate for bankruptcy, but you know need to somehow get a better deal with the banks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I build those cases on an hourly basis. Occasionally, too, I get a client that comes in that may only have one debt, and they've got a little bit of money to be able to settle it, and it doesn't really seem worth filing a bankruptcy for, or we need to protect an asset. And I work with them and on that. And once I started billing hourly on those cases, you recognize that a lot of the cases that I was taking on a flat fee basis probably should have been hourly cases. And by doing that, I'm getting compensated fairly for those cases that might be a little stickier. And we do it in some of our bankruptcy cases as well. If we know we've got you know preference issues to work out or we can't file for a while or we're going to have to do a lot of work prior to the filing of the bankruptcy case. You're talking about Chapter 11s for businesses. Some Chapter 11s, most of them are a seven, or in in many instances, we end up avoiding a bankruptcy completely in those cases, mm -hmm. just by working out something with the banks. But oh, I was just talking about the hourly the hourly billing that's on the business side of things, not the consumer bankruptcy business per se. 
Some of the consumer clients we end up taking on an hourly basis just because I know that some of the results that we're going to get, we don't know how long it's going to take Mm -hmm. and we don't know how much work is going to be involved in it. So some of the consumer cases now, I I bring them in as hourly cases if if it's just something where, from my experience, I know it's going to chew a lot of my time. Is that like someone that has 15 rental properties and is filing something like that? Yeah, that's that. That's a very common occurrence where we where we have that happen. Uh, you know, portfolios of rental properties take a tremendous amount of time. A lot of times, you have to do some work with mortgages. Sometimes they don't fit and in neatly into a Chapter 13. So we either try to do a workout or, or in certain cases, it could turn into an 11. Mm-hmm. So it looks like you have four offices and two attorneys. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Our main offices are in downtown Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and, and in Greensburg. Quattrini Rafferty's headquarters is in Greensburg. And we no- I normally meet clients out there one to two days a week. Mm -hmm. I'm in Pittsburgh all the other days of the week. Technology has made it a little bit easier to find clients a little farther away. Sometimes I will meet clients at places where we have certain meetings of creditors, like in Johnstown. And then I have a friend who has an office in Newcastle that, you know, I use his office space whenever I have a client that's maybe a little further away from the city. Mm-hmm. When we originally had started the Debt Doctors and when I worked at Legal Helpers, they tried to have some satellite offices where you could reach more people that were outside of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't like to come downtown. And for a while, I did pay rent and had office spaces in a couple of different locations. But after a while, you realize you don't need those offices for 30 days a month. You need them here or there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I did look before I joined Quattrini Rafferty at potentially going to more of a virtual office where we would partner with somebody like Regis or, or a place where you could just have an office sharing relationship because the technology has made it so that I can work 24 hours a day from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And really, I need a nice professional looking space in order to meet clients one or two days a week. Mm-hmm. And when we joined Quattrini Rafferty, it was great because we, we ended up getting great office space and we have a lot of support and resources here that, that help us to have a nice office where clients can come in. And, you know, it's part of the brand that you're selling is having some permanency. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we didn't go to the virtual office and I'm happy that we were able to, to find a good partner in Quattrini Rafferty. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happened last September of 2016 was that Google did an algorithm change where the distance between the local office and the customer became the most important factor in terms of uh, ranking in the map packs that appear on Google. I was unaware of that. Yeah. So that's kind of a line in the sand in terms of before September 2016, uh, having an office in downtown Pittsburgh, if you were the the main person in Pittsburgh, you would kind of get everyone in the suburbs for free or at least out to the city limits. And it's, it's a little bit different since then. So depending on, on your on your Google rank before that, some people saw large changes in the, in their ranking after September 2016. But it sounds like you you didn't notice anything in particular, so maybe it was a wash for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think so. You know, honestly, in in the last couple of years building the hourly practice, we haven't spent as much and haven't put as much thought or resources into the the internet advertising Mm -hmm. as we had. And that's one of the good things of having a practice that's been around for a while and making sure that you have the opportunity to brand yourself over time because you you might be able to cut costs by reducing advertising. And that's one of the ways that we have actually been able to to survive when bankruptcies have, have essentially been cut in half. However, when the numbers pick up, I do think that, you know, one of the ways to grow your business is to spend three to five thousand dollars a month on 
AdWords. And, you know, it, it's a, a great way to advertise because it, you can find the people that are serious about filing for bankruptcy and have taken the time to look into it so that your job as an attorney can hopefully be easier. Mm -hmm. And again, just for the audience out there, right now in terms of the cost per lead from Google AdWords, you can expect somewhere in the 30 to $40 range depending on how how competitive your local market is, but obviously if you're good at turning those leads into retained clients, that can be very profitable. Yeah, that's been a that's been a big emphasis on our part as well. You know, we've set up our website so that somebody when they go on the website, if they wanna meet with us or talk to us, they can put their name and their email address or their phone number in and just send it off to me. And, you know, we do try to respond as quickly as possible because it's a competitive business. And I think that's one of the ways that you can set yourself apart is, is just if you if you respond very quickly. Like uh, I always have an easy time whenever I call them and they go, oh, that was fast. Yeah. And when, when you get it right away and you call them right away, it just makes it easier. The longer that lead sits in my, my box, my inbox, the longer it takes. Yeah. I mean, the harder it is, it's going to be for me to retain them. Uh, I've gotten, who are you again before? When... Yeah, yeah. So I saw online that you bought the debt doctors from Campbell and Levine in 2011. Did I did I get that right? Correct. Yep. At that time, I, I think, you know, I was the only one that was actually working in the practice. My partners had a, you know, they, they had their own practice that they were managing and, and it was successful. And filings had started, started to shrink. And, you know, it was enough for me to make a living off of it. It wasn't enough to, to split five or six ways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my partners had just floated the idea to me that maybe you should, should take this and see what you can do with it. Mm -hmm. And they, they gave me a very favorable deal in order to do that. And, you know, I stayed in their office space for a couple of years and they let me transition out of there and, and find a new home, a Quattrini Rafferty. Mm -hmm. And and it was it was a it was a very good partnership while it lasted. I still am very close with my partners. It was a great place to work and I learned a tremendous amount in working with them. And I started as the managing attorney there when I was thirty years old and when you're thirty you think you know what you're doing, but having ten years to experiment with what works and what doesn't work is a tremendous learning experience and taught me a lot about business and advertising and how to generate clients and how to manage clients and hopefully run a good practice that is always evolving. Mm -hmm. So now you've merged your bankruptcy specialty practice with Quattrini Rafferty. That's more of a full service law firm. You talked about building your hourly business practice. Is that what you're focused on for the next little bit here? Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, we've done a good job with the consumer cases. I never want to get out of doing that. However, we try to be as efficient and take good cases. And, that, and that's, that's helped our practice. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons we've been able to also reduce our advertising is with Quattrini Rafferty, when they represent clients that have a worker's comp claim or a social security claim or a personal injury, normally there's some interruption in income mm -hmm. and most people have debts. And so we're able to find a lot of clients that are clients already of Quattrini Rafferty that can use our services. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in doing that, that was that was the one helpful piece of, of joining Quattrini Rafferty is that you have a new group of people to market to that might not be thinking about bankruptcy. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times I can protect whatever they're going to receive from their settlement and help them to get rid of some debts and also just give them some general financial advice so that they can manage their reduced income while they wait for a settlement. Mm -hmm. And that's been an important part of the partnership with Quattrini Rafferty is that working with them has just given me more opportunities without spending more money on advertising. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's also been better, too, because, you know, we have the resources that if a computer breaks, they can get somebody out to fix it, or we can get a new computer. You know, I mean, when you're when you're really in a small practice, it's very difficult, and it's almost like our clients, you know, when you're when you have a thin margin for error, one bad mishap can can certainly throw you off track and make it a difficult year financially. Whereas, you know, when you do partner with somebody else, you have you have some clients that you might not get in front of in, in other circumstances. You can get them without advertising, and you have some more resources and backup if things didn't go well. One of the scariest things about starting, you know, the hourly practice, and then I've also filed a few Fair Credit Reporting Act cases, is that when I was on on my own and we only, there were only three of us, if I got stuck in a case that was sucking all of my time, I couldn't be out meeting new clients and generating revenue for the practice. Mm-hmm. And working for a bigger firm where every once in a while, if we need a little bit of help, we can get it. You know, that helps us to manage a little bit of a smaller staff as well. Mm-hmm. I feel fortunate that, you know, over the two and a half years that we've we've been with Quattrini Rafferty, we haven't had to rely on a lot of our, we're, we're able to manage our, our workflow with the people that we have here. But, you know, if we do ever get stuck, I, I have help in order to manage that. Awesome. Well, Matt, if people want to get in touch with you, is uh, the debtdoctors.com, is that the best way to, to do that? Or Yeah, www.thedebtdoctors.com. My email, mmh at thedebtdoctors.com is a good way to get in touch with me. And, you know, also if you go to qrlegal.com, which is Quattrini Rafferty's website, you can also find out more about our other practice areas there, which mainly are workers' comp, so security, personal injury. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining us today, and thanks for sharing your experience and knowledge. Thanks for your time today. It's been a fun experience. Great. Thanks, Matt. All right. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye.